Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. Thank you for joining us here. I welcome and really appreciate you for being here. May you be a new listener or an old listener. I am grateful to you. To make sure you join us every week, make sure you click that follow or subscribe button so you get that new episode as soon as it is uploaded. And it will mean a lot to me if you do. And if you have an extra few minutes while you are fiddling with your phone or whatever you are doing, why don't you please go ahead and give us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That way, we can reach more listeners and we can continue to grow our nation of immigrants. Also, if you want to reach out or if you want to come on the podcast or if you know someone that wants to be a guest on the podcast, you can message me on my social media accounts at an immigrant's life. You can also email me at an immigrant's life at yahoo.com. While I'm waiting for your messages, in the meantime, Let's talk about the episode. Listen, I have to be honest with you guys. I was hesitant and insecure to talk to this guest this week. First, because he's a president of a college. Second of all, when I was a student, I deliberately avoid teachers because I didn't want to be tagged as a teacher's pet. However, as soon as I started talking to our guest, all my insecurities melted away. Because he was so accessible and a very humble man. So I ended up really having fun with this conversation with him. And like me, I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to his stories too. Let's get to the point. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa dalawa tatlo. Today's guest is the president of Pacific Oaks College. A man with a sweet smile an impressive mind, and a beautiful big heart. Everyone, please welcome Dr. Jack Padantin. Thank you so much, Aaron. Good to be here with you and with everyone. Thank you. Sawadikrap. That's wonderful, Sawadikrap. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> You're doing really, really well. Oh, <laughs> I'm thank impressed. You. Thank you, thank you. First of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. I know you're a busy man. You are welcome. This is this is my pleasure to be here and talking to you and hopefully share some story today. Of course. Before we could move on, uh, please tell the Immigrant Nation how they can reach you or if you want to promote anything, go ahead. Well, they can reach me through Pacific Oak website. Uh, so that pacificoaks.edu. Uh, when you go to the website, there's a lot of connection to go to the Office of the President and also uh, I think the phone number, everything is all there at our website. Amazing, amazing. So let's get into it. It's well documented that you came to the U.S. when you were 24 years old. But I'd like to talk about your past a little bit, if you don't mind. So what kind of family you grew up in and what kind of community you grew up in? So I came in from maybe a middle-class family. My father worked for the government and my mother was supporting him throughout the time, raising three uh, children at that time. Uh, we grew up in Bangkok. Uh, mm -hmm. I have 
two siblings, one older sister and one younger brother. So a very normal childhood in general, basically uh, typical Thai students and Thai uh, teenager growing up. That's how I, that, that's how, that's how my background was. Mm. Were you always good in school? In Thailand, yes. Yes, yeah. but uh, that wasn't consistent when I first came into this country, to the U.S., when everything kind of turned upside down. <laughs> I was good <laughs> up until then. <laughs> so you decided to attend at the University of Dallas to acquire yes. your MBA. How Correct. was that process? Because I'm not going to divulge your age, but you could if you want to. But that this is like back then. Yeah, yeah. I, I came here to the country in 1992, and that time I was 24. Um, you know, a typical story of maybe a normal childhood, right? So you go to a bachelor degree and you kind of think that, well, that's next step to go. So uh, master seems to be like a, 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 a normal path that I wanted to take. Hmm. And uh, so there's two choices at that time to either get a master's degree in Thailand or get it here in the U.S. And uh, for some reason, I thought I wanted to challenge myself a little bit uh, just uh, to go a little bit further out and, and, and come here. So it's not just the knowledge that I want at that time to acquire uh, language was one of the goal as well. Uh, hmm. Just the fact that. I was so bad at it, so I thought uh, coming here might be a life-changing event for myself. <laughs> Do they teach English in Thailand? They did, but in a very uh, interesting way, right? So we could uh, read and write pretty well uh, when it's come to speaking and listening. Uh, that was a challenge, I would say. Mm. Um, I think when we learn from uh, a non native speaker, uh, the learning is a little bit different. Uh, in, in fact, we learn it the British way too. So that's add on to another dimension of coming in and seeing things a little bit different when I read and when I write. Uh, but speaking wasn't something that was a focus. And, and I think because you learn so well on the writing and the reading, then you are so afraid of making any mistake, right? So it's, it's always that Maybe that's may, maybe more of my generation, right? So we didn't have a lot of media that we get to listen and, 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 and maybe see example of people speaking English. What you see is, or what you saw at that time was your Thai teacher teaching you how to read and how to write. And they were, they were typically focusing on, on, on speaking and communication in general. Mm -hmm. It's mostly confidence, I think you're right on that. And, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, once you start making the first few mistakes and people are picking on you and then that's kind of go deeper into, okay, this is not what I wanted to do. I'm not good at, especially some people who I'm not saying that I am, but there are some people who are perfectionists and if they're not doing it well, they better not doing it at all. So mm -hmm. I might be closer to that side that if I'm not doing it well, mm -hmm. uh, please don't get me there. <laughs> almost like almost like golfing for me, right? You know, I'm not if I'm not playing well golf, so I, I can't. I, I don't <laughs> want it to play golf ever. For sure, I remember when I was learning English in the Philippines, and you know, you'll speak, and like you said, like you say something, and you make a mistake, and you uh, know, I don't know in Thailand, but in the Philippines, they laugh at you if you make a mistake. 
the very same way, the very same way. And then you start questioning yourself whether, and you could be right, but you never know. I mean, when you start having that as a pattern, then then the confidence kind of go away. And at some point in my life, I became a person who anti-English. So anything that has anything to do with English, I just block myself. And mm. that doesn't help as well. No, not at all. That's crazy. What I used to do was when they laugh at me, I usually, oh, yeah, you can do better. I want you to say it. Well, I, I think you did a better job than I, could, than I did. Than <laughs> so, I did. <laughs> that's just, I don't know, just like blind bravado, I guess, what I did. Right. You know, you want to put me on the spot? Okay, I'll put you in a spot too. I just didn't like that, you know. But someone is trying. Let him try. Now I regret not doing that when I was younger. <laughs> uh, we live, we learn, right? Yes, for sure. So you decided to go move to the U.S. Did your parents push you to move or it really just a personal decision? It was a personal decision with a strong support, not mm. a push. Uh, it was a personal decision. The support came in financially, right? So I decided to come. Uh, luckily, my uh, family uh, was so supportive and, 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 and not just with my decision, but also supporting me to come in financially uh, to go through school as well. Mm. So you arrive in Dallas. Mm. How much culture shock did you go through? What And what kept you pushing through? You know, a lot. And, and sometimes it's, it's in a very uh, interesting way, right? So it, it's not like coming into a bigger city. Uh, people think, well, you come to the U.S., uh, you come to the big city, there's a, a big culture shock there. <laughs> but coming from Bangkok to Dallas, Dallas is much smaller in my view, right? We always saw in Hollywood movie on if you come to the U.S., you're going to see high-rise building, you're going to see all things that you saw in the movie. But then when I came in and I kind of saw a flat landscape and uh, coming from a bigger city in Thailand to Dallas, was that was the first culture shock as soon as I landed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, on, and after that, there's so many that came in. And, and particularly, uh, I, I told you that I learned English when I was young and I was able to read and write and understand some. But the moment that I landed at that time, any conversational or any dialogue that I would have with anyone turned out to be a nightmare. <laughs> I could not understand anything or <laughs> even try to express myself. Mm. Uh, I remember one time, um, well, this has happened pretty often. So I'll go to class and then the following week, all my classmates would have the homework to turn in. And I had, I had no idea that it was a sign uh, the week before because I could not understand what was said in class. And that was a shocking, a, a shock that I, I never anticipated having it. Being a good student one day and suddenly someone who failed so badly. Then there was, then, then one professor I remember, I think he kind of knew that I know a lot, but I could not express. Hmm. Uh, I remember he asked me, a simple concept, demand and supply. I left Thailand, graduated three years of the four-year program with honor. I'm pretty good at it up to that point. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to tell you that I could not explain what demand and supply is in front of the classroom. Ooh. And that was the worst feeling that you have because hmm. 
I know that I knew what it was. And it's such a simple concept. And, and, and that's the degree that I studied. And I, I just could not put it in words the way that I needed it. That is one. I mean, forget about expressing yourself. Forget about uh, sharing any communication, any emotion. Just that simple uh, concept mm. I could not articulate then 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 that's when uh, the crisis happened and i i didn't know what to do i i keep thinking that this is not a place for me maybe i'm not ready for it so i struggle quite a lot the first term mm. the grade came out very very ba- very badly and i remember the dean called me in and said jack you need to go home you're not ready for it Ooh. and and it wasn't it wasn't pretty at all for the first at least six months, it was struggle day after day. When the dean told you, hey, Jack, you got to go home, <laughs> what did you say? You know, I didn't say anything because I could not talk much, as you oh, could imagine. Jesus. But what I said to myself, which maybe this is bad for the audience, but what I said to myself was that, you know, I have so many friends who are not as smart as I am, they graduated and I better be able to graduate <laughs> this program. <laughs> Maybe in my mind, it was not as pretty as what I, what I tell you, but that's how I thought, actually. I said, well, mm-hmm. I have so many friends who were not as smart and they, were, they came to all these places, they graduate and I can't be the one going home without a degree. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's kind of a, changing uh, point in my in my life on how I need to do better and and that's that's how the turnaround actually started to happen so what did you do as soon as the dean told you like hey you need to go home you're not ready you got back to your dorm or wherever you were staying what did you tell yourself and what did you do the next day I did something that is maybe even more stupid I told the dean that I wanted to work for him I wanted to work for the college and I think he looked at me, it's like, oh my God, dude, you must be crazy. You can't even speak. Uh, so I applied for a job at the graduate school hmm. and either they found nobody at that time or they think that they wanted to give me a chance. I got a job. Hmm. So I got a job as a student assistant. And uh, so they kind of asked me a lot of things and I perhaps wasn't very truthful at that time. They said, can you handle multiple line uh, telephone? Can you do a lot of things? And I said, I can do all of, all of these things. <laughs> I, I don't think I could at that time. And I, I added more challenge to myself, struggle mm. a lot more uh, be, beyond school. But I think that was so intensive for me that it's kind of forced me to work much harder uh, because... I would say going to school with language barrier and also added on a part-time job that needed a lot of communication. And as a student assistant that actually take care of other international students that are coming in, uh, my my job was quite uh, critical because if I ever miscommunicate, we might not have that student coming in at our college, right? So that was the part where it was stressful. Uh, at the same time, I found my place because I was servicing, I was helping 
other international students. And many of those have the same problem, right? So we might not speak perfect English, but we wanted the same thing. I could speak the worst, the broken English. They understood me. I understood them. I got the job done and, and things getting better. And actually, most importantly, I think I gained more confidence mm -hmm. that the result was there, right? Even though the mean to get there wasn't a perfect English, I got the result in every time. And 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 I think I worked extra hard that uh, the prospective student appreciate the extra mile that I did for them turned out to be... Uh, a life-changing job, I would say, <laughs> from, like, from, needing, like from needing to go home. That's the, I love the story because when you came to Dallas, it's like you didn't know how to swim and they threw you in the deep end and you just drowned, right? But mm -hmm. when you were told by the dean, oh, yeah, you can go to this kiddie pool, you know. <laughs> and then slowly you kind of get comfortable and then learn how to swim. And there was right. no judgment from the other uh, international no. students because they're like, hey, you barely speak English. I barely speak English. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was a comfortable place and it was, it was comfortable in such a way that I ended up making a lot more friends uh, through the process that way. Mm -hmm. And th that obviously added to your confidence having friends because I'm pretty sure For you sure. were homesick. Yeah, you know, I, I was quite surprised actually those days uh, – in the 1990s, there's a lot of homesickness uh, that you see. I think kids this day do not feel any homesick anymore. I've seen a lot of international students coming in uh, to the U.S. or I mean, that, that's where I am. Um, I, I think the technology connected them so well that I hardly see any kids this generation that mm. mention that they have any homesick kind of surprising there. They still do get homesickness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So most of the time, they say food. Uh, I, I think you're right. I might <laughs> be lucky to be in Los Angeles where a lot of Thai students coming in, it's feel like home for them. So I think you're right. When, when you miss uh, food, you, miss, you do miss home for sure. Mm, exactly. Because yeah. it talks to your soul. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know? So after that, you graduated, you crush it. Everything went well. College was getting better. After that, yeah, I got better. I redeemed myself. My GPA got much better. I studied a lot intentionally, uh, at least six, seven hours a day. Uh, I, I try so hard to, to just erase uh, that conversation that I had with the dean that I had. I needed to go home. Uh, so it, I spent two years uh, finishing up the program. So it was it was a good way. To improve, uh, mm. it's, it's a fast way to improve for myself. Mm -hmm. So after you graduate, get your master. What was the plan? What was the next plan? Do you want to go home? Do you want to stay in the states? I, I went home immediately because <laughs> I I came here to get a master degree and I needed to go home. I remember my flight uh, returning to Thailand was just maybe two days after I received the diploma. I immediately went home. Why? And then, I wasn't planning to be here. I, I think mm. uh, I I came here for education. I received what I needed. And uh, I feel like once, well, 
a lot of people might feel this way. You know, once you get a master degree, you feel like you're on top of the world and you could do anything. You are so educated, <laughs> and now it's time to focus on your career. And I didn't want it to waste time one day to just started my career. Mm -hmm. um, I start interviewing uh, with a job in Dallas that had. Uh, a branch in Thailand. So there was an oil company called Caltex. Uh, they actually have an office, a headquarters in Dallas, uh, but the job was in Thailand. So I do a lot of things before that, wanted to make sure that I go back and start my career quickly. So really, I think it was three or four days after I received the diploma in my hand, then I flew back. Wow. And then how long did you stay in Thailand then? It was a year and a half. Mm. Uh, then uh, there's another life changing. I, I I met my wife in um, in Dallas. So she finished school uh, and and decided that she moved to, with me to Thailand as well. She's from another country. Uh, uh, but then at the at the end, I feel almost unfair that she um, that she lived in another country that that she wasn't planning to. So we thought. Uh, Maybe we need to either look for another country to come back to, need, need to look for more opportunity that more equally for both of us. Mm. Uh, and most importantly, uh, after working for a year and a half in Thailand, I start thinking of uh, what I wanted to do. Um, I, I, I certainly feel that uh, I was in consulting, consultant business for a while, uh, working with... Um, a few European company that coming into Thailand to do joy venture. Mm. And when we are in that business, uh, the achievement or the accomplishment for that area is how we lead the team. And I was pretty young at that time, 25, 26. And I always get placed as a team member, not a team leader mm. uh, to do that kind of project. Uh, so I, I thought there was two ways for me to, be to hit a big project like that the first thing is i need to get grow i need to grow old very quickly or i need to get a doctoral degree where nobody can beat me mm. so after a year and a half uh in that job and in thailand so i thought you know i i couldn't grow old fast enough but i can actually get a doctoral degree and, and come back and and now become the head person for that kind of big project, right? So, so that was another time when I thought, well, I'm going to have education change my life. I still wanted to go back to Thailand, actually, uh, even though um, my wife was still adjusting during, during that time. Uh, but um, anyway, so we, I came back here again to earn my doctoral degree with the same intention that once I finished, I would go back home to Thailand. Mm -hmm. What and did you so, study as for your doctorate? Strategic management. Okay, strategic yeah. management. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Uh, the school at that time called United States International University in San Diego. Uh, there was one professor that I followed him uh, and his work for a long time. His name is Igor Ansoff. Mm -hmm. And he's a father of strategic management. He's, well, he's worldwide recognized and he happened to have his job at at uh, at that university in San Diego. So I actually I was teaching management uh, at some point when I was in Thailand. So I knew of him for a long time and and decided to follow him when I uh, wanted to come back and study strategic management. 
How did how does that work? Like, do you email them and tell them like, hey, can I work for you or not work with you? Uh, you know, things has changed a lot in higher education. Uh, I don't know if it's the same way in Canada, mm. but uh, in during that time, there's a lot of superstar professor. Either that the either he or she is a either he is a father of that discipline or she is inventing that discipline. So in the past, there were a lot of that. There's different school of thought. So I did not know him nor talk to him. I knew that he was working there. So I applied for the school just hopefully to get admitted and then uh, hopefully take classes with him. So I didn't talk to him in person before I came in, but I know of him and know that he was at that school. Hmm. Then you got your doctorate. Mm -hmm. After you finished, did you go back to Thailand again? No. Then there's another uh, life changing that actually happened again. So I came back the second time, uh, 1997, when Asia has the financial crisis. Hmm. And the story was pretty brutal, actually. I remember I took off from Thailand. The exchange rate was $1 for 25 baht uh, as I took off the plane. And I remember when I landed, I don't know what happened when I was in flight. The, the currency devalued by half. Uh, so that really, it happened overnight. The announcement happened the night of uh, that I departed. And when I landed, the, the currency went crazy. Uh, so I started to... Uh, getting a special permission uh, to work on campus a little bit more than a typical international student can work. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I, um, I manage it well and finish school. Um, and part of the job, one of the jobs was to teach uh, at the undergraduate level. I was a teaching assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, at that time, there was something spark. That, that, that sparked me a little bit. Uh, it was so much different than teaching in Thailand. Uh, I had a brief experience. Uh, so teaching student at that time was quite special. I think American students are very inter uh, interactive and, and very engaging. And I, I found myself that I learned much more uh, mm. when I was teaching than when I was sitting uh, in the class studying. So that was a, another pivotal moment that I thought, oh, this might be something that that I like doing. And I forgot quite a bit about my first intention on going back to Thailand and lead uh, a joint venture project. And I thought, well, this is more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And so that changed, that's changed my perspective a bit. Mm. And that's when you start trying to be a teacher? Yeah, so I start getting more and more teaching assignments. Uh, so because I was in the doc doctoral program, so I was able to teach a master degree program and also uh, undergraduate. Uh, so I had multiple jobs. I had a full-time job at the school, and I was then a student advisor uh, for both undergrad and, 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 and master degree students. And then I also taught uh, as a teaching assistant um, so a few times. So that's how uh, my educational career kind of formed. And, and, and I have been in education ever since. Mm -hmm. What do you think makes a good teacher? 
you know, I think somebody who can change or who can transform the student, I think that that that's make a good teacher. I, I think mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how your teaching skill is. What matters is whether you can change or you can better uh, your students' knowledge or their life. That's even better, actually, if we could, right? So uh, seeing at, at the school that I was teaching, uh, of course, kind of, have a little flashback to the time I was in Dallas. There are many American students, but there are also many um, um, international students as well. So I kind of saw myself in them coming in a little lost and gain more and more confidence as they go through the process Hmm. and eventually feel much more confidence. Uh, That's maybe more of the international student population uh, for American students, it's a little bit different story. There's a lot of challenging on uh, this foreigner uh, come to teach and whether the person actually know the subject. So I sometimes need to uh, display, well, I at that time I said that I need to perform some miracle to make sure that they know that I know so that they stop challenging me. So, uh, so it's kind of very different dynamic in one class, in one very class, you have international student who try so hard and actually look look up to you that, oh, you can teach, right? So mm-hmm. that was a little different uh, feeling that you have. And you have another group of uh, more domestic students that thought, oh, this guy doesn't know it. He speak with accents. He must have thought with accent too. And I usually <laughs> tell them uh, that, you know, you may have hear it, but... I don't think with accent, I just want to assure you. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And then you stayed so much in teaching and you love it so much. And then 2019 changed again. Yeah, yeah. So I was a professor for quite a few years. And um, then then I kind of get to see how much I can do um, for education. I... uh, after being professor, I started to get into the track of being administrator for school. Mm. And I kind of, I, I think at the end of the day, I wanted to make impact. Either I make an impact on the students sitting with me in the class, or I can make a better impact by changing policies, by supporting them. So I got more and more into administrator. Uh, and, and And 2019 is when I feel like the the impact has reached the level that uh, that I could do even a lot more by becoming uh, a college president at Pacific Oaks uh, College. Did you always want to be a president of a school? No, actually, good question. Uh, well, first of all, somebody asked me the same question about uh, two weeks ago. Exact mm-hmm. same question. What what you wanted to be when you uh, were growing up, and I say for sure not college president, <laughs> particularly not during the COVID uh, pandemic for sure. <laughs> um, no, I did not. Uh, I may have thought about it when I started teaching um, when I came back for my doctoral. Mm. Uh, so that must be part of my uh, inspiration. I, I, I would say uh, so. Things kind of lead to a, uh, one thing lead to another, but um, I, I was at the end in, so intentional uh, to 
to be as high impact as I can be. And I think every role that I have taken uh, did give impact to the community that I serve and, and to be president that can influence uh, multiple areas at the same time, uh, that's, that is actually uh, uh, become a dream come true, even though that dream did not happen when I was much younger, but it, it was part of the plan. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. What makes Pacific Oak College unique compared to the other colleges? So I've been with, I don't know, six, seven colleges before I came to Pacific Oaks. And uh, the moment that I came in, uh, it kind of transformed me even more. And I think that's, that's a very special place. Uh, Pacific Oaks is a small college. We serve about 1,400 students. Uh, when I first got to know Pacific Oaks. Uh, I saw it from afar. I saw it that the, the, the college was uh, a college that actually was established, established uh, for about 80 years ago. Mm. And it stands for social justice. It stands for diversity, inclusion, and respect. So when I, as an outsider seeing PO, uh, it wasn't something that, that that immediately uh, draw my attention because, well, just, just, just to be honest, actually, every school seems to proclaim the same thing in so many ways. Social justice seems to be uh, something that most schools actually uh, talk about, right? So, mm -hmm. yes, it is beautiful and it's the right thing that people say it. Uh, so, but it's become something of a norm that most schools actually talk about it. So that's how I first saw PO. Okay, another school that saying that they are focusing on social justice. Uh, but when I first came in myself, I realized the impact on how PO was so prominent in that intention on, on, on all of these full call value. Um, so that was something that I think is so special. It's not a lit service school that wanted to do this, but in fact, it's, it is a school that actually live and breathe uh, social justice and diversity, inclusion, and respect. Mm -hmm. Speaking of social justice, what's your situation with pronouns? Do you tell the teacher, say the proper pronouns for the people, or you just let them decide? Good, good question, actually. Uh, uh, that's become um, a topic uh, that we talk a lot. It's an ongoing uh, conversation that we have at PO. I, I would say at Pacific Oaks, there's two layers of uh, how we give the importance of pronoun usage, right? So the first part is at the institutional level, we actually build the school that way, uh, when we actually formed PO, we started off as a children's school. And the intention is to value every child and value every person for the entire lifespan. Mm -hmm. When I say that, it's kind of built in the core value that is so critical for us, which is respect. So PO has been doing that for 80 years. Uh, so when we have a child that we educated at the preschool, we start talking about that. We start respecting them as an individual. So everything that we do at the institutional level is to deliver that 
for the children age younger than five to the college students, right? Uh, our program, for example, uh, are focused on uh, cultural uh, differences. Uh, we have, for example, one of the most popular program is uh, the MFT program, marital and family therapy program. Mm. Uh, rather than just training a therapist the way that most school would do, we add on another layer on LGBTQIA plus studies. And I think that's how critical um, using pronoun or respecting individual is for us at the institutional level. So we have done that for a long time. 80 years ago with the children that starting the children's school. And, and now as an institution, we promoting that, that institutional level. At the personal level, uh, it is a common practice actually. Uh, I, I see this as an ongoing process. I would say uh, people who are here working here has been educated and we have done uh, education ses educational session on a regular basis. But as an institution, you do have new students coming in regularly as well. And we wanted to make sure that the new people coming in are understanding how to respect other. Mm -hmm. And using pronoun properly is a way to respect the person. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's ongoing uh, process. I love to talk about that actually in so many ways. Uh, and in fact, uh, many people working around me uh, kind of educating one another. We do make mistakes from time to time, but but when, when we do that and we try to correct that with respect, it is the most beautiful thing. I, I think I think everyone go through a learning process and I'm, I'm glad to see how our community here at Pacific Oaks continue to grow and continue to learn and continue to respect individual the way that they want it to be respected. So I think that, that's how I see it at, at our college. Mm -hmm. Has it ever been an accident that or incident that someone said like, no, dude, I'm not doing pronouns. I'm calling you him, she or whatever. <laughs> Actually, I have not. I have not. I have not seen it. Um, during the Pride Month, um, there's a lot of participation uh, for the community at Pacific Oaks, and that's including students, faculty, staff. Uh, we talk quite a lot about that, and um, you know, I think it's a matter of getting used to. I would say. Um, maybe I'm going to say this in in the way that how people learn and 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 accept uh, how to respect individual in the new way. I would say that in a new way. So for example, uh, this is a conversation that we have within our community. Uh, some people say in the past, it sounded a little bit strange when somebody say uh, he and his husband, it sounded a little bit strange, but not anymore. It's, it's when you have education and when you have the open-minded uh, mentality, that become something easy to learn and easy to absorb. Hmm. I don't know if you agree with me or uh, the listener agree with me with this, but this day is no longer strange strange uh, sentence that you put together. Pronouns the same way. And I think PO are uh, evolving in that area, right? So, uh, so 
if somebody make mistake, they don't complain why they make mistake. They they know that it take getting used to uh, mm. to get to that point. And because we are smaller um, community as well, um, and and also uh, the way that we promoting um, the diversity within our community. I told you about the program on mm. the MFT program having uh, LGBTQIA plus studies. It is a conversation daily. And if somebody make mistake that is not intended and but intended to improve, intended to learn. It's a beautiful thing. We all make mistake, and uh, I haven't had anyone uh, as the example that you gave me to refuse. Like, no, I'm not gonna call they a he, right? Mm. So, so so far, I, I think I'm lucky in that in that sense that my community is very uh, open and and very welcoming. Uh, we talk a lot about diversity here, and. Um, the way that we see or the way that we want our community to see is that diversity is not the way, it's not how we count people, it's how we make people count. And I think that's the most important thing. You mm -hmm. can't just look around and count people by their skin color or their sexual preferences. The mm -hmm. way that you make them count is the way that in fact you embrace uh, diversity. So uh, there's a lot of people that can speak the same way that I speak at Pacific Oaks, because we truly believe in that, and 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 I consider myself lucky to be among them. Mm, that's beautiful. What if somebody walks in and says, "I want to be in the community, but I'm not. I'm refusing to use pronouns." How would you approach it? somebody coming in wanted to be in the community. I think that's, that's a conversation to be had. Uh, once, I don't know how to convince the person uh, to, value, to value the way that we value, but at least the person needs to understand that if they are coming in, this is what they're going to see. This is mm -hmm. the majority of us will be. And if I, I kind of think that um, people who belong in a community need to share something. And that's why core values are something that is so critical. Uh, if you feel like you belong, if you feel that you share that values, then you should be part of the community. And if you do not share that and against that, mm -hmm. why would you be in that community, right? First, Makes you don't sense. belong. Second... Why, why would you uh, make yourself unhappy because you have different <laughs> belief? There's a lot of people that are unhappy out there. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> that's, 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 I, and I certainly hope that um, with education, with uh, how people seeing more things, uh, people could uh, be open-minded. And sometimes sometime it takes major events to to actually open up somebody's mind right we we would continue to do that we wanted to set example uh, but we certainly hope that um, you know people are I would say that the new generation or this generation that we are in are much more open-minded uh, than maybe 30 40 years ago right so I, I think we learn more and we we appreciate more and we also see that 
diversity only bring good thing to the community, right? Mm-hmm. I think I we have seen so many mistakes that organization made when they deny uh, diversity or when when they don't embrace diversity. And if they do, that's the strength that they should have, mm-hmm. right? So, do you want to be weak by denying diversity, or you want it to be stronger by embracing diversity? I think that that's something that everyone needs to think, and which with which um, um, community you want to belong to. Do mm-hmm. you want to be with the one with close-minded, or you want to be the one that embraces diversity? Definitely. I'm sure you have trans students, mm-hmm. and yes, we do. So, has anyone asked to have a separate washroom? Uh, we have that provided at Pacific Oak, so it hasn't been an, an ask uh, because um, we have. A multiple buildings and uh, anytime when we have an opportunity to build um, that uh, neutral uh, gender neutral bathroom uh, we build that so uh, wow. the student know where to go that's amazing you know it's it's as as progressive as you want it to be uh, as once again, I, I use the term lip service a lot uh, because we don't want it to be a lip service that we say the right thing, we write the right thing, we mm-hmm. need to practice the right thing. So I think PO is advanced in that sense. Uh, so, um, and that's why actually my my answer to you is nobody has, has asked because we provide it. <laughs> that's beautiful, man. Do you enjoy the administrative task more or teaching? Uh It's hard to say. Uh, I, I always think that when I retired from uh, the college president job, mm. I still wanted to go back and teach <laughs> because of that that energy that I have. I, I usually get uh, good energy from my students. I, I could be very tired of the day going to the classroom. Suddenly, there's a spark of energy. There's a pour of energy that's coming to me. Mm. Um, so... I don't know which one I like better. I love it now because I know that I'm making impact. I still go to classes though. You know, that's kind of a strange thing. And sometimes the student gets surprised because I was drop into their classes mm. and just to say hello, five minutes, 10 minutes, uh, just to connect with them. In my mind, it's almost like I get to teach for five minutes, which is not that what they thought, but the connection <laughs> Even though I would say two or three sentences that perhaps inspire them, uh, that's what I wanted to do. So although I'm not teaching, teaching, I try to find that opportunity. So I kind of keep it balanced on administration job, which can be very stressful, I would say, particularly during this pandemic time. Mm. And uh, I ended the day sometimes by going to classroom and and kind of recharge myself for a better day tomorrow. That's beautiful. Is there a department in Pacific Oaks that direct potential students on what course what will fit them based on their interest and ability? Yes. So um, because we are a small school, uh, most of our students are working adult, uh, meaning that they're working during the daytime, they come to school at night. Mm. Uh, What we don't want them to do is to select wrong classes and have extra classes that do not apply for their degree. 
So we have a robust uh, department uh, that actually helping them with uh, academic advising. So basically the student would interact with the academic advisor. These are not the professor, but these are the professional advisor mm -hmm. to actually guide them through their study plan, what classes they need to take and when they need to take them. Uh, so uh, that is something that we were so proud to be able to do that. And small school kind of take we, we talk a lot about personalized attention for our students, and this is one of them, right? It, it might not be uh, available in a larger school, but a small school, the advisor know the student by face. Uh, they also uh, talk to them and, and make sure that don't take the, the wrong class. One wrong class, is it's, it means a lot, right? It's money, mm. it's time, and it's, it's, it's a waste of... I think you will learn, you get some knowledge out of it, but it might not be degree applicable. And so we, we wanted to make sure that the advisor uh, work with the student in that manner. Mm. What's the qualification to be a student in PO? For bachelor degree students, uh, so they have to have a high school mm. and uh, they most of them do have uh, transferring units coming in. The average age of our students about 37. Hmm. So at some point, uh, they either attended the college but could not finish it and now coming back to finish it. Uh, hmm. We are a minority serving institution. Uh, we are uh, designated as a Hispanic serving institution. What does that mean? Meaning that we have more than 25% Hispanic student. That's okay. the government designate us as a Hispanic serving institution. So you have to have 25% Hispanic people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we mm -hmm. also are minority serving instit institution, which is another um, another category. But uh, once you have more than twenty five percent of minority uh, within uh, the college, then you have that designation. Mm. But some people would think that they're being accepted for them being Latin or minority, not because they are qualified. Uh, it's, that's a very good question. I, 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 nobody has asked me that question. Um, I, I think the education has changed quite a lot mm -hmm. these days, at least the, the concept of education. Uh, in the past, we focused quite a lot on the qualification of students coming into the college. Mm -hmm. So we put a lot of barrier, uh, at the entrance. They need to take a lot of tests. They need to get a high GPA. All of those things, SAT, whatever that they need to have coming in. But college today, uh, moving towards outcome, right? So the income with quality that might be uh, not consistent, but as they walk out from the college, they must have a consistent learning outcome that we mm. expected them to have. So the school that do a good job is the school that actually embrace the differences as they come in. They're not uniform coming in, but when they come through the process, we transform them and walk out with the same quality. So to answer that question, uh, in the past, some school use quota uh, for the student to come in. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to make sure they have X percentage of certain minority group. For us, we give opportunities. If the student wanted to change their life, it doesn't matter who they are and what they are. I am sitting in, or we are, I say I am, the college is sitting in our Los Angeles area. And, and 
California in general has more Hispanic population. Mm -hmm. So it's not of a surprise that you have Hispanic serving Hispanic student here uh, locally. Uh, and what I meant, what I mentioned early on is uh, culturally, uh, we also know majority of our students are also female, right? So uh, being female, being Hispanic, being minority, sometimes our students sacrifice so much to their family, they sacrifice themselves for their family. So uh, during the time when they were younger, they're supposed to go to school. Uh, when the family called them for a particular responsibility, they give it to the children, they give it to the, to the, to the husband. And now is their time to come back and redeem and, 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 and be educated the way that they intended to be. Mm -hmm. We saw a lot during the pandemic time because of the student population that we serve. Majority are female, majority are minority. Culturally, when that happened, mother take care of family first. They would give up their, I wouldn't say privilege, they would give up their priority to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so then the family go on. That's beautiful thing though. Mm -hmm. uh, so we need to commit to them even more because their life become more complex and their needs become greater than the pre-pandemic. So we, we wanted to make sure that anything that we can do at the school, we provided that opportunity to them. So then even though that was a hurdle that they need to go across, I, I mean, go that cross that hurdle mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to be that instrumental uh, key factor for that success nice nice is there a program or a department in your school that i guess helps the student once they graduate to secure a job or at least find a job yes um so we have uh, a department called care uh care uh Department is department actually focusing on career as well. Um, although we don't do a direct career placement, but we help them, we help supporting them with resume building, interview techniques. Uh, the critical part might be that because of our student is already a working students, so they already have a job, right? So mm. what during the they come to school at night, they uh, work during the daytime. The, the thing that we see more is when they wanted to change the job, our office helped them uh, with that transition. Oftentimes when they uh, finish the school, if they stay with the same organization, sometimes you get to see career advancement uh, uh, or career progression among these students. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, those are the services that, that we continuously provide. Uh, the part that I think we do more subtly is showing them a lot of role model, which is not explicitly uh, share or 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 or, or told. Uh, I would say, you know, we when we have a guest speaker coming in, uh, a keynote speaker coming in for any events, we intentionally looking for a minority as a role model. Mm -hmm. uh, these people has uh, success stories, even though they are not coming in to tell or to be that role model, but beside the knowledge that they give on the day that they presented, they themselves 
uh, as something that as someone that that student look up to and 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 inspired to be the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one interesting story to share. Um, in 2019, I was um, I was named president of Pacific Oaks. Uh, during the inauguration events, uh, there's a few students that actually attended that time. Uh, one of the students actually uh, listened to my speech uh, and 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 was quietly inspired. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say that because she shared with me when she actually finished school. Uh, she's from Mexico, uh, immigrants, uh, just like myself. My story and her story might be almost replicated from Thailand and, and from Mexico. Mm-hmm. So when she earned her degree, a master degree, uh, she came to tell me, it's like, Jack, I wanted to tell you that the reason that I that, that she uh, stayed in the program and finished the program was that she heard my speech with accent. And she said, if my president has accent, I could make it too. And, and that was, I was, I don't know if I was embarrassed to hear that, but I wasn't <laughs> actually. I, I thought, wow, you never know how you impact somebody's life. And that is a very strange story. And I, I don't know, Rosaba, if you listen to this, that story was the most beautiful story I ever heard. And I usually think that the accent is something that I should be embarrassed by, but mm. if it's changed your life, I'm happy to keep this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that story. What's your opinion on people saying that at this time of age, you don't really need college education to succeed anymore? Very interesting uh, observation. Uh, culturally, uh, I, I mean, coming from a Thai background where education was placed in a very high value, uh, maybe as a Filipino background as well, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of surprised me a little bit, though, to just uh, comprehend that 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 concept. Um, but time after time, I think people would benefit from education more than what they realize. Mm. And I am an advocate for uh, education that help equalize quality, particularly here in this country. I use education to advance my career. It equalizes opportunity that I otherwise could not have. And I mm. think this is going to continue. You know, uh, even though some organization would say, come to work with our degree, I think you could. At one point, uh, when you actually get to be compared with somebody else, if you have the same quality, you get to compare with somebody else with education, you find yourself coming in a little bit short. You mm-hmm. might find yourself less confident because you didn't have what you should have. I think that's one aspect of what I think why education continue to play important role in somebody else's life and somebody else's career. Um, so I, I kind of think that that is one way. Another way that I always think is education to me is a good passport for success. So you and I meet for the first time. And if I am to hire you, you need to prove yourself somewhat that you are really good that I, I wanted to bring you into my organization. Mm-hmm. But if you have that passport, it's a little bit easier for me to just believe 
that you have the qualification that I need, right? So I think that's maybe a second aspect of why education is still important for us today. I'm going to give you a third one. You, now you can see how how I am truly an advocate for education. The third one is I've been working with people uh, from different backgrounds, some with a higher um, education, some with none. There are, I'm not saying that this is general. I'm not saying that this applies for every individual, right? But there are something that you learn in school conceptually. When you assign a project to someone, one that have a formal education seems to have a thought process that is different than one that did not. And, and oftentimes that thought process lead into a successful project. Thought process learned from, example, a group project that you do with school, a presentation that you do at the school. A lot of those training, it is within you and nobody can take it away from you, right? So would education, well, I would go back and say people who are smart, they will be smart regardless, but they can be refined by the formal education. And I think they can realize their potential even much higher and much faster. I'm going back to the first story I'm telling you that I decided to come to the doctoral degree because I could realize the opportunity faster. The more education that I have, my passport and my visa are much more uh, comprehensive and I can, can perhaps go places. Giving a, a point where let's say, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of smart people who can run a college. But if you don't have a degree, would that limit that person to be an administrator in the college or would that limit that person to teach in the college? That is a very simple analogy. And I, I don't know whether the world would change so much that suddenly education become unimportant. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. You need education. Even artists, some artists are self-thought they, they, yeah, they will do well. But like you said, if they go to school and learn techniques, their learning curve Fast. is shorter. Yeah, you're right. That's the key. Their learning curve is shorter. They can. What one thing that I I'm gonna bring you back on why why Pacific Oak is so special. I wasn't planning to do that, and and this is the part where we at Pacific Oak, Pacific Oaks believe that experience can be shared. Mm. Your experience can be my experience. And if you already make the mistake that I should not make and I learn from you, why would I struggle to make the same mistake? So the way that we learn here is not only from the professor that teach the students, it is everyone teaching everybody else. So luckily, we have adult learner in the program. They carry so much experience from the years of work that they have. And if they're coming in and tell that this is something that you shouldn't be doing, would you wonder that, oh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyways, just because I need to learn it from my mistake. I think you would think twice before mm. you committed that mistake. So that's the beautiful part of being human being, I mm. think. I think animals cannot learn from somebody else's experience. I think they learn from their instinct. Mm. But because we are human being, we need to capitalize 
the formal structure of learning and on the top of that to make it even more uh, meaningful learning mm. from somebody else's experience that 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 share the same uh uh, interest that we have. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I saw a documentary about apes, and they say the scientists said that the difference between us and the other apes are apes. They cannot teach each other. Yeah, <laughs> they can copy, but they cannot teach each other. Yeah, yeah. When you're not busy molding minds of the future, what do you like doing for fun? Uh, you know, I cooked a lot. That's, of course, Thai food, as you would imagine. Uh, maybe that's the only cuisine that I know how to do it. Uh, this day, I do a lot of volunteer work. Um, mm. I work with uh, a lot of, uh, you know, I, I do like art therapy uh, using Japanese techniques. Uh, that's kind of helpful among my community. Sometimes before the midterm, the student gets so stressed. I do some workshop for them. So then they kind of... Uh, refocus and, and re-energize and bring more positivity in their daily life. So that's the fun part. And 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 oftentimes I never thought of how much money how much time I spend to do this. But when I see change happen, when I see learning happen, when I see uh, improvement happen in someone's life, mm-hmm. that is that is my compensation. <laughs> I don't know if I used the wrong words, but that's but that's that's what I get. That was that's what I that's what I do. That's beautiful. What's your opinion about the recent action by President Biden about student loan relief? You know, I I, I think the country has gone through so much uh, at this time. Hmm. Uh, I think there's a lot of different opinions on whether that was the right decision. Was that has a political. Um, intention, uh, I wanted to focus on the receiver end. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in need that that were benefited from uh, this decision. Mm. Um, you know, we would leave uh, political aside. I know that it would help some family who struggle to actually do better or, or regain. And sometimes it takes a little help, a little push, a little bit here and there just to have somebody to be back on their feet again. So I'm happy with those people who receive um, the money and, and those people who can perhaps uh, already benefit from education that they receive and maybe even more eventually give back and, and, and maybe even think of advancing their education further because I'm pretty sure that they benefit from uh, the education that they receive. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, you don't have to tell me. I'm Canadian. We have healthcare. You have healthcare. <laughs> free, free healthcare, you know, social, universal healthcare. Um, that, there was, that's good. You know, there was actually a few years ago, they were pushing to make education, college education free here, which I mm. think they should, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea. You know, and anything that we can make a better life for the citizen, uh, I, I I support that, and I I, I think um, the next generation need to be better, need to be smarter, because the future is with them, and 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 our life do depend on them as well. So I'm all about preparing them, educating them, so then they can be as best as they could. Hmm. Then that's how the country would make any progress that they need to make. 
Well said, well said. I think we're getting there. But before we close out, one last question, if you don't mind. Okay, shoot. <laughs> you have accomplished so much, but there's more things to do. What would make Dr. Jack finally say, you know what? I'm good. The work is done. Oh my gosh, should I just fast forward myself for another 30 years? <laughs> uh, you know, this is a very good question, but but I think it's defied the character of who I am as well. I don't know if I imagine myself one day that I'm done or I have done enough. I always confide a little thing to do. Uh, and, and contribution doesn't have to be significant. It doesn't need to be consistently significant uh, through your career. Mm. Uh, there'll be time where I see myself, I mean, I, I can see myself after retired from this job to go teach at the college. You never know one day I wanted to go back and read book for children at the children's school. And, and that, is that my contribution? Am I done? I'm not done. I'll, I'll continue to do that, even though it was the smallest impact. But just to see growth, just to see um, changes that is moving to the positive direction, I don't think I'm gonna I'm gonna be done until my last day. I might modify my contribution, mm -hmm. but it's my character to continue to make that little or big impact that I'm doing now. True immigrant doesn't know how to retire. <laughs> that you know, but that doesn't mean that when you work, uh, you don't enjoy it, right? So I I I'm lucky to to feel that. I enjoy my work so much that even though it comes with a lot of challenges, um, it, it's a challenge that I enjoy uh, to deal with, to fix, and to uh, to make improvement. Uh, but certainly, I, I could see myself, as long as I have an ability to read, I would read with my Thai accent to any children who wanted to listen to my children's book when I'm at 80s or 90 years old. Love it. Wise word from a wise man. Again, Dr. Padantin, thank you so much for your time and thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much for spending time with me. It's such a pleasure talking to you and uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk again. For sure. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again, Dr. Padantin, for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Dolyosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.